0: We're in this in a series, it's called The Way, and it's leading all the way through uh, Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, all the way up to Easter. And we're staying in the Gospel of John. And our hope is that you're reading along, that you're digging in, and that you're reading some. And you can read at whatever pace you want, but you'll, you'll read some stuff about passages that we've mentioned, and God will speak to you, different than he speaks to you in this room. Uh, some of you hear God best when you're all alone, when nobody is around and you're able to shut out the world and turn stuff down and just tune into only hearing God's voice and he wants to speak to you. Sometimes he'll speak to you directly through the words of scripture. Sometimes he'll, sometimes he'll remind you of something that you needed to know and you'll turn someplace else. Sometimes he'll call to mind a relationship that needs some attention for you and the scripture will speak to it and so you'll send a text or drop an email or make a phone call or write a letter. Or reach out somehow and, and rebuild, but my hope is that you're digging into Scripture as well because that is what followers of Jesus do. And, and so if, if last week was about the people we journey with, and we hope you were a part of that and you're able to at least listen online or, or go back and listen if you missed last Sunday, and it was, we're talking about the disciples, the disciples kind of take center stage in John 13, Jesus is washing their feet and they're, they're kind of the big deal. Um, and Jesus talks about them and the relationships, and that's where we went with it as well. And we have this mistaken idea that if we can just, you know, clean up the lot of our friends, that life will be easier or better. If we can just be around people that think like us or act like us or believe like us or vote like us, and of course, that's not true at all. God has in mind that we would be around a very wide mix of people so that he can shape us to be more like Jesus. And so we talked about washing feet last week. I hope you washed some feet this week. I hope you did last week. I mean, I hope you had some tangible way that you expressed love and compassion to somebody and that this week that's on your mind too. That's why I hope. Uh, that's how the world changes. Um, and for anybody that believes that kindness can't do that sort of transformation has never seen kindness in action really. Because it can, it really can. It can do incredible things. Um, On behalf of God, we love people well and and that's how the world shifts and and makes changes. So if last week was about the people that we journey with, this week is about the actual journey. In fact, this chapter, John 14, is where we got the the title called The Way. And when you think about the journey that you're on and the journey that I'm on, and this this metaphor applies to everything, it's universal in a thousand ways. Um, There are always a couple of questions that come up when you're about to take a journey, and they're the same questions that I ask and you ask, and you might word it different. You might have it uh, you know, phrased differently, you might have a different concern, but it, they're represented by these two questions, the same things that we wonder anytime we're about to take a journey. And that journey, it could be an errand, trip, you know, just a trip around town. It could be a big vacation that you have planned, it could be something else. But the first question that we ask if we're about to take a trip or a journey, it's this. It's pretty simple and straightforward. And it's this one, I promise, it's coming. I should turn this on, that's me, it's all me. There it is, where are we going? In fact, say that together, as if I had t- asked if you want to go somewhere. We'll say it together, you ready? This is what Donna asked if I walk through the living room and I say, I'm gonna go on some errands. She says, where are we going? And the reason she asks is because the answer to that might depend, it really determines whether she's gonna get her shoes on or not. You know, I mean, are we gonna go, is food involved? Are we, are we going to stop by the grocery and I get to pick some things? Are we going to go to Lowe's and you're going to stand in front of the plumbing supplies and stare at them for three hours? <laughs> Not that that's ever happened. But she's going to ask, where are we going? And this question, there's really a couple questions that are involved. And you need to see it for the, the, the big question that it is because it's our question too. When we ask this question, where are we going? We want to know, what, what's the destination? Where are we, we going to end up? And sometimes the next question is implied or understood, but we also want to know how are we going to get there? How are we going to go? Now, you might think, well, I know how we're going to go. We go the same way every time. So maybe that question is just implied or understood. But both questions are at play when we ask this question, where are we going? And and like I said, this little metaphor of a journey or a trip, and sometimes it's not a metaphor, sometimes it's literal, And sometimes we are packing and sometimes we're buying tickets and making plans. It applies to everything, whether it's a short trip or a long journey. It applies to everything that you do and everything that I do, whether it's a career, college, a relationship, your marriage, parenting. This metaphor is universal. When we had boys, uh, we were... Before they started moving and talking, we were the best parents in the world. And then they began to have some of their own ideas and their own thoughts about life. And then the worst part was when we came to this startling and, and very unsettling realization that what we were looking at in our two boys were just little mirrors of us. And then we began to get worried. I mean, they, they, they said words we didn't think they learned until we realized that they had learned them from us. Well, they learned them from Donna. But for the most part... <laughs> When she blamed me and we begin to ask this question, if there are going to be little mirrors of us, we need to ask this question, where are we going? Where are we going with this idea? We have two little boys in front of us. What kind of young men do we want them to be? What kind of young adults do we want them to be? What kind of dads, if they ever have kids, do we want them to be? What kind of husbands do we want them to be? Where are we going? And of course, implied in that is the, the second question I mentioned, how are we going to get there? Are we going to do a school? Are we going to teach them? So this this question of of where are we going, it it applies to every journey that I've been on and every journey that you have been on. Where are we going? When Donna and I were needing to visit some missionary friends, it was about five years ago, we booked the travel and made the plans and Uh, Decided that this was where we wanted to go, the where was established. And we didn't understand quite all of the how we were gonna get there, but these missionary friends do their work in central India. And so we began our trip, and it was, I don't know, 24, 30 hours before we even completed the the first part of our journey and found ourselves in New Delhi. And we're in, of course, a very unusual place to us, a foreign place to us, looking around and taking it all in. It's incredible, amazing city. But we were not anywhere near central India. We had much longer to go in our journey. So after a little bit of rest, we made our way to the train station, which is different than Union Station in in New Delhi. I have to tell you that. And the trains are different too. And so we got on this train that was gonna take us down into central India. A 12-hour ride on a train. This train bunks and there we were racked and stacked ready for a 12-hour ride about I don't know a few hours into the ride I need to go to the restroom so I where's the bathroom we got pointed down a hall and down the way in the door and I came back to my bunk and said I didn't find a bathroom I found a room and they had a hole in the floor and I could see the tracks and they said yeah you found the bathroom and I thought well you know what I thought where are we going <laughs> that's what I thought and how are we going to get there and can I like click my heels and go back home or is there some way out of this? And it was an absolute incredible experience. And some of this journey, I found myself wanting to turn around and go back home and some of it, of course, up for the adventure. This is the first question we ask, where are we going? The second question that we ask, one I asked a lot on that trip and that you might ask as you're on your journeys as well, is this one. It's just as important as the first one. Who's in charge of this journey? Who's in charge? Do I get to say when it's time to go or when it's time to go back home? Am I in charge or am I just a passenger? Am I along for the ride or do I have some influence over how this thing plays out? I mean, what what if we need to switch things up? What if we need to make a mid-course correction, decide we're not going there, we're going here? What if I need to change direction? Who is in charge of this journey. And at times we feel like we're in charge. When I was 19, I felt like I was in charge. I picked my school, I picked my major, I proposed to the woman that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I felt like I was in charge. And the older I get, I realize, you know, that was all, well, it's just simply not true. I'm not in charge almost in any way. So who's in charge? And at times we still, even at our age or your age, you can still feel like you have some volition or some choice in the matter, and you do. You get to decide. Do you keep your job or do you leave it? Are you going to move across the country or are you going to stay? Are you going to dig in or are you going to cut and run? All of those decisions you get to play a part in, and then life happens to us and we begin to think, I'm just along for the ride. I'm not in charge at all. I didn't decide this. This happened to me. This is what they did. Am I just a passenger on a train, the middle of the night in India, and I have no idea where I'm going to end up. So these two questions are the questions that we have about our life. And when I ponder these two questions, I wonder about the journeys that you've been on over the last few years, we'll say. And maybe longer. Some of you are on a journey that you would say has been decades in the making. But I wonder about the journey that you're on in regards to your relationships or your career, grief that you're experiencing, uncertainty that you're going through, parenting, your adoption journey. I I wonder about the journeys that you're on. And as you consider the journey that you're on, the thoughts that have pressed in, and you consider what's happening now, then you know that this is true. Sometimes the journey that you're on can build your faith, And you can sense God right in the middle of it. In fact, some things happen and you just think there's no way that's anything but God. And you can see pieces fall together and your faith is just emboldened and you know that God is with you and you sense it every step of the way. There are some journeys or even parts of journeys that can absolutely, well, your faith can take an absolute beating. And you can begin to think, I'm pretty sure no one's in charge of this. We're just on a runaway train here and I have no idea where we're headed and I want no part of it. I'd like to just step off and call it good and and I don't even know if God is with me or sees it or pays any attention to what's happening the way this is coming apart. Those are the questions that we struggle with. These are the questions that in John 14, the disciples struggle with too, but they won't we're always asking these questions. In fact, at the very beginning with the disciples, it was really pretty simple. In fact, at the very beginning, Jesus just issued a very simple, pointed, but very simple invitation to them. And it was this. In fact, it's the same invitation that you receive. He looked at the disciples and Andrew and Peter and Bartholomew and Thomas and Philip and all of them and just said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come follow me In fact, when they weren't sure where Jesus was going or where he was staying, Jesus, again, very simply just said, just come on, you'll see, you'll see. And something in the disciples was a bit spiritually stirred up and they were awakened a little bit and they knew that Jesus, he was doing something unique and special and so they were spurred on by that and they jumped right in. They know the same thing that you know, that there's more to see, there's more to experience, there's more to this life than just us punching the clock and doing our thing and whatever it is that we make our days full with, there's more. And you know that too. And they were drawn. And they saw Jesus teaching, interacting with people, and he said, come, follow me. And so they did. Because they wanted to connect to that something more. And so do you, in the very same way. Connect to it, understand it, build your life around it because, well, it can't just be about what we can see and the things that we get to experience every day. And so they did, follow me, Jesus, for three years and they saw it all. They saw everything. It kicked off with a a wedding at Cana and water turned into wine, this incredible miracle. They they saw Jesus heal people and cast out demons. They they saw Jesus raise the dead, not just once, but as Jesus ministered and the world began to open up to them, they were amazed. In fact, when Jesus begins this whole thing with the disciples, he calls Nathaniel and he tells Nathaniel a few things about himself, and Nathaniel can't believe it. He says, I, I, That's incredible. I can't believe you knew this. And, and Jesus said, that's, That impressed you? He said, Nathaniel and the rest of the disciples were nearby. He said, You're about to see heaven opened up. And they did. They saw it all. And they also saw the tension build. And they saw relationships begin to fracture. And they saw the heat in Jerusalem as the religious leaders began to take issue with who Jesus was and how he lived and how he ministered. They saw the tension and the trouble begin to show up. But it was this simple invitation that started it. I I bet you can remember your simple invitation too. Some of you have been around church all your life. You don't remember a time when you weren't around a church or near a church. And for us, people like that, the call is a little slow and it just kind of soaks in. And But there's still a moment in time when you can remember that you at least were drawn by such a simple invitation of come follow me. Or however it came in the Bible study you were in or the church camp you were at or the campus life event or some youth pastor, maybe your mom or dad articulated the the essence of who God is and how much he loves you and you just felt drawn to his love and a relationship with him. For some of us, it comes later in life. In those cases, it's typically more intellectual or a more measured or weighed response. For some of us, it's an emotional thing. It it just overtakes us and we're just swept along like a river. But for some of us, it's a more rational, analytical approach and it happens slowly over time. I don't know what it was for you, but I bet if you gave it a second, you could remember it when that invitation came and the invitation to follow was enough and Jesus gives it. He says, come and follow me. And he did that with the disciples too. And when he did, they came and it's enough. But eventually, just like the disciples are gonna find out this last week of Jesus's life, even though the invitation is enough and it's simple and you just feel drawn to God, eventually we hit, well, life happens and we hit a wall. Things occur. Somebody does something to us or we do something to somebody else or relationships break or life just occurs and we find ourselves in a situation where, well, we're, we're asking those two questions. Where are we going and who's in charge of this anyway? And we need more than a simple invitation. What we need are answers. Answers to these questions. And when you're, I don't know how old you are, years after that invitation is, is worn off in luster, these questions get asked with a little more intensity than they did at first. A little more emotional umph behind them. A little more urgency. There's more at stake. We need to make sense of it, and we need to make sense of it quick. And this is where the disciples were the last week of Jesus' life. They saw it all unfold in front of them. And their journey of faith is just like ours. The same experiences, the same doubts, the same questions, the same joy, the same amazement, but also the same fears. And they had them all too. And they're going to have a discussion. There's a couple people involved in the discussion, in particular, Thomas and Philip. It's going to unfold in John 14. But it all begins to unfold because Jesus makes a simple statement. Now, there's a lot of stuff in this last half of John that's just full of red letters, all kinds of red letters. And a lot of it is stuff that Jesus obviously wants to say, and he knows it needs to be said, and you can just see it. Uninterrupted discourse that Jesus gives the disciples. But there's some things, and this is true of John 14, where it feels like what's said is because what Jesus gets in response from the disciples. It it feels like it's there because it was a living, breathing conversation that happened in real time. And I think it's the same conversation that we would have had. So this all kicks off because Jesus makes this very simple statement. In fact, let's say it together. Are you ready? Say it with me. You know the way to the place where I am going. He says that, and then everything begins to unravel for the disciples. When Jesus says this, he's saying two very important things, and they're important details that you grasp. And the first is this. There, there, there are two places that are key here. And the first is the way. And the way, literally, in the Greek means there's a route or a path or a road Okay, so you're here, and where we're going is over here, and there is a route or path for you to get there. And Jesus says, That's the way. You know the way. And then he says, And you also know not just the way, but the what? You know the place. You know, you know the destination. And so these two things are critically important to understand. Jesus is including both of these ideas when he says this very simple statement You know the way to the place where I am going. Not only do you know the road, you know, you're going to go down this road, make a left over the hill, by the store, whatever. You know the road, but you also know the destination. You know the place. You'll know when we're there because you know the place. And when he says this very simple statement, he gets a big reaction from Thomas. And this is what Thomas says, right back to Jesus. He says, "Uh, no, we don't. I love that. Okay, that was my little summary. But I love that Thomas just says, no, uh, you're mistaken, uh, Lord. Um, you, you, we, we don't know. We don't know the way. Now, this is amazing. Just Remember the context. John 13, right, washing the feet. and Jesus is there, and he's teaching them how leadership is and how they're supposed to operate with each other. And He gets a basin and a towel, and he's just, you know, at least an hour. I think at least an hour he's rubbing the dirt from their toes. He gets done with that puts his towel away, puts his tunic back on, his, his little outer garment, you know, puts away the basins and sits down and does a little bit more teaching. And then John 14 ensues. I mean, I, I don't understand where Thomas finds the ego to say this. I mean, in humility, I just would have thought, I mean, come on, the dude's just rubbing my pinky toe. I, I'm not going to argue with him. He, he's going to be right, I'm sure. Surely I don't know what's up, but he doesn't. And in fact, when Thomas does this, I think there are the other disciples. Now it's just down to the 11 of them. Now it's 11 in the room. Thomas says what every other disciple is thinking. And I know they're thinking, whew. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but I'm sure glad he did. You know, it could could be that Peter was elbowing him like, you know, say what we're thinking. (laughs) Say what we're thinking. And so Thomas does. He says this, Lord, no, we don't know where you're going. We don't know. We don't know where you're going. And... So how can we know, since we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? In the intensity of this moment, this is what Thomas says, and my guess is you have felt the exact same way on your journey at some point. Whatever it is that you've experienced. Some of you are on a journey that is a few days in the making. Because you got a phone call or somebody severed a relationship or a new manager at work. I mean, I, I, we could name the circumstances that all of you are facing in a thousand different ways. Some of you are in a journey that has been decades unfolding and what feels like staying the same, and it just is. And most of us are in between. And at some point along the way, we've had the very same thought or we don't know what you're up to, and we don't know where you're going. We don't know how you're going to get there, and we aren't even going to know when we get to the destination. We have no idea where are we going. I mean, at least give us an itinerary. Wouldn't that be nice if you could have an itinerary? I mean, how many of you would go on a trip or a vacation or a big journey if you didn't have an itinerary? If somebody said to you, hey, you know what? We're going. Where are we going? Not telling I mean, you know, now if it's somebody you know and love and they are good with surprises and have a history of being good with surprises, then you might say, yeah, I'll pack a bag for a night or two. But if they say, if you say, how long? How long is the journey? I mean, you know, a long time. Define long. Uh, years? No, heck no. Absolutely not. You know, give, me, give me a tick or give me something that gives me an idea and, and then I'll consider it. I'll take it under advisement. And this is the question we have. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Now, Jesus is going to give Thomas an answer. And it doesn't sound like the answer Thomas wanted. And I'm guessing it's not the answer you want either. But my suspicion is, it's because we have misunderstood the answer. And so, if you can, church people, online people, Who are also church people, probably, if they're watching church on their TV? Just suspend for a moment, understand Thomas's question, and then listen to the answer that Jesus gives. So Thomas says, We don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. We don't know how you're going to get there. Jesus simply says, Jesus answered, say those four words with me. Are you ready? Jesus answered this answer I am the way. I think Jesus would say to Thomas a little bit differently Thomas I cannot give you a map I cannot tell you what's going to happen next I mean I could but that's not how this works I cannot give you a map but I can go with you and you can be with me And that's my promise. And here's what you need to know, Thomas. Here's what you need to know. If you are with me, you are in the right place. And if you know that, then you know I am the way. So stay with me, Thomas. Stay with me. Because I will never leave you. You might want to leave me kind of feels like you do right now. In fact, Peter's going to leave me for a bit. A few of you are going to scatter. You'll come back. But stay with me. I will never leave you. And I promise you in the moment, Thomas thought the same thing that you think. That sounds like a religious cliche that will give me nowhere. But it's not. In fact, it is the truest thing It is the most profound answer that any of us could ever be given. Jesus says, I am the way. So, what does that mean? Well, it means that you stay with him. Well, what does that mean? I can't even see him. It means his words, his way, how he is with people, how he relates to you and to the people that you would consider to be I don't know, less than enlightened or maybe not all that with it or maybe just downright frustrating or even your enemies, Jesus would say, stay with me, stay with me. And if you're with me, you're never in the wrong place. Look, I don't know what gets you distracted and off the way. I bet it's a lot of things and I bet if we could all share our stories, we would find some, some sympathy and some humor and some you know, camaraderie among us. But there are lots of things that get us off the way. It could be that some of you are so entrenched in an ideology that You can't see the forest for the trees. This would happen not just in our culture. It happened in first century culture with Jesus. And so if politics gets you off the way and gets you distracted down a path that makes you just want to wring somebody's neck or, you know, turn the world upside down or, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, Jesus speaks to that. In fact, you would think that Jesus would have spoken a lot about politics, but he only did just a couple of times. At one point some of the disciples asked him, hey, what should we do when we're supposed to pay, pay taxes? That's what they asked him. What do we do when Caesar demands his money? And they would have expected for a rabbi in Jewish-occupied Judea who's controlled by Rome for Jesus to get on a pretty good rant about Caesar and how evil he is and how God's gonna restore the kingdom and all that, but he doesn't, he doesn't. He, in fact, he just looks around, he says, anybody got a drachma? Who's got a nickel, Jesus says. Somebody hands him a coin. He says, well, Caesar's face is on it. You should probably give it to him. And then he moves on. What does he mean? Uh, There are more important things for you to be concerned about. Kingdoms rise and fall. Somebody else Mm -hmm. is going to get elected next time around. It doesn't really matter. But love and the kingdom of God, that's what's going to last. Some of you carry the bitterness from a betrayal in your heart so deep that, well, it's affecting you physically. I mean, you don't sleep. You aren't well. It, it pokes at you. And Jesus talks about forgiveness. In fact, Jesus talks about forgiveness so much that you can't read a few pages of the Gospels without seeing, well, he even talks about how many times you're supposed to forgive. It's a lot. It's like, I don't know, 400-something. I'm awful at math, but it's a lot. And he wants you to do that so that you find the freedom that you need. Some of you are stuck in a thousand different places or not only that, your journey is just taking you through a difficult valley that you can't find your way out of. Jesus talks about frustration, unending grief. He talks about loneliness. He talks about all of it. And Jesus would say, look, if you're with me, You're where you're supposed to be. I am the way. Jesus says, I am the route, and I am the destination. I am the way, the truth, and the life. How can we say all of this about Jesus? Well, I mean, the very next thing that Jesus says, after he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he goes into this thing about how if you know him, you know the Father, and if you know the Father, then you know him. In fact, Paul would say it this way later in the letters that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so, if you want to know God, you know Jesus. If you want to know what God would say, when well, you look, what did Jesus say about it? If you want to understand how to navigate complex relationships in a difficult time, Jesus addresses it. I promise he does. And so, this question. Where are we going? Jesus answers. But then Philip has a question too. And he hears Jesus say, I'm the way, and if you know the Father, you know me, and all of that. But then Philip says, Ah, I got a question then. I'm going to say it because we're all thinking it. This is Philip's question. So Philip just said, well, then, Lord, show us the Father. It's the same question we've got. This is what he says, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Now, he's talking to the man who raised the dead and multiplied the loaves and all the things that Jesus did, but Philip is saying, look, we just want to know for sure. I just want to know for sure that we're on the right path and that the person that's in charge is the person that we think is in charge. Who's in charge of this trip anyway? Well, just show us the Father, he says. And in the middle of that discourse, Jesus' answer to Philip is this Look, Philip, have I been with you all this time, and yet you still don't know who I am? Jesus doesn't wait for a response from Philip. It's a rhetorical question, simple rhetorical. But what Jesus is saying is, you know who's in charge, you're with him, it's me. It's who God is. I've been with you. In fact, you can trust me. Remember? You've seen all you need to see. You've had all the experiences that you need. I know, doubt creeps in. I know it's scary. I know the city's a mess right now. Who knows what the Romans are going to do? Even the Jewish leadership, who knows how they're all going to react and respond to this. But Jesus makes it clear. If you're with me, You're with the one who's in charge and you're on the right path and we're headed to the right destination, guaranteed. Jesus knows in John 14 that these questions that they're asking, these two questions that you and I ask, you know, what's the deal? Where are we going and who's in charge of this journey? He knows that they weigh heavy on the disciples and he knows that they weigh heavy on you. It's why you've thought about giving up It's why you've thought about taking a different path or a different route. It's why you're not sure what to do next or whether you should take that leap or trust that you can forgive and that everything will be okay or give up your right to have your own way. It's why we have all sorts of feelings and concerns. But as these questions weigh heavy on us, in John 14, not only does Jesus give us the answers, but he also speaks some of the greatest hits of the Gospels. They're in John 14. I mean, you've read a couple of them, I'm the Way, The Truth, and the Life, but there's a few others that if you've been around church for very long, you've heard them before. And some of these words are the most comforting and the most encouraging statements that Jesus ever speaks. So what journey are you on right now? Which one is giving you pause, which one makes you want to have a little sit down with God and say, look, I know you say you're in charge, but it sure doesn't seem like it, and here's why. You know, can I see what's next? Can you unfold this for me? Can I trust you? Are you good? Do you have my best interest in mind? If these questions are pressing in on you, the words in John 14 are written for you as you wrestle with these. Where are we going? And who's in charge? So I wonder over the next few minutes. If you'll keep whatever journey you are going through right now, whatever struggle, whatever questions you have, if you'll keep them in mind with an open hand, and I'll put on the screen and read some of the words from John 14 that I think may give you some comfort and peace and direction. It'll be a little different than we normally put scriptures up and move on we're going to let them sit for a bit and i'll read them so if you're if you're a auditory person you can just shut your eyes and just you and and god here if you're more visual you can just keep your eyes open the whole time and just read them over and over and over again but i'll guide us through some prayers and some thoughts as we allow these words to maybe hit their mark in our life but i promise you this they'll only hit their mark If your hands are open and if your heart is open, if you're seeking God a bit. Some of us are so bound up by anger and anxiety and even fear that the words that Jesus speaks in John 14 are just frustrating because they sound like answers that are not addressing the questions that we have. But the truth is, if your heart is heart at any point in time, most of the words from Scripture don't really find their mark usually it takes something in our life that causes us to force our hands open and allow God to come in. And so if you're willing, maybe courageous enough to set aside your anger or your fear for just a few minutes, maybe God will find a new place of surrender in you that you didn't even know existed. And so I'll I'll pray and then you'll see some words on the screen. I'll read them out loud and uh, we'll just allow God to work in this moment. Lord, we know that these words that you give us in the gospel of John are meant for us today, and that Jesus, in fact, is the way. So Lord, we set aside whatever anger, fear, or anxiety that is in the way at the moment, and we open our hands, we open our heart, open our mind, so that you can do your work in us Allow these words of Jesus to to find their spot. And so, here in this room, online, whatever, whatever heavy journey that's on your mind right now, just hold it before God. Name it, whatever you need to name it. what Jesus says the very first words of chapter 14 are these do not let your hearts be troubled Lord we need this this statement to start because many of us are troubled we're carrying burdens we're not meant to carry we're Confused about what you're up to. We hear that you are good, but it doesn't feel like you are. We hear that we can trust you, but it feels like we've been let down or disappointed. The scriptures say, do not fear, but it feels like fear is the only response that would make sense with what's going on with Me, my life, my kids, my family. Just hear these words of Jesus, whatever the journey is that you're dealing with. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus says this You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms if that were not so would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you so Lord we trust this we don't understand it but we trust it it seems everything Jesus says is about a relationship with him Lord some of us in this room have believed the lie that if we do everything right then everything will go the way we would like but walking with you Lord is a little more complex than that and the world we live in is fallen and sinful and full of pain and struggle and joy and beauty and love I read in this verse Lord is that Jesus is working right now for my behalf on my behalf for my benefit he's doing it now he's at work and I can trust him and then he says this "And if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am Lord, this is before your son even utters the words that he is the way. and So his promise is that even if we aren't sure of the route, we know him. Even if the destination is scary, Jesus is with us. And he has never asked us to go someplace that he hasn't gone first and that he isn't already there Working on our behalf. Lord, as we trust these words, we can feel the peace that you want to give us. For Jesus says this in the same chapter Peace I leave with you, my peace I give. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And we are once again reminded, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What journey is it that you need to surrender to God right now and trust him with? What relationship, what person, what outcome, what, what treatment, what grief, What unbearable weight do you need to give to him? Lord, we surrender it to you. We run to you. It's like when your son said to the disciples, are are you going to leave too? We say the same thing that they said. Where, Where else will we go? Where else will we turn? You Have the words that are life. And so we're all on journeys, some of us more uncertain than others, some of us more fearful, some of us on journeys that have lasted a long time and we're certain it will never end. We surrender it to you. Yes, we still have questions, but we bring them to you. And we sense the peace that you are offering. And we set aside fear, we step in faith, open-handed. Lord, we run to you. And we surrender it all. That we may be with Jesus.